Good afternoon to everyone on the call. Thank you, and again, for joining us for today's Blogger and Media Roundtable. My name is Major Tanya Stokes. I am with USERECT Recruiting Command Public Affairs, and today we have with us Major General Alan Bachelet, U.S. Army Recruiting Command Commanding General. He will discuss and take questions on today's topic, the future of recruiting. Before we open the floor for, op for the opening statement from Major General Bachelet, we have a few housekeeping items. Once the floor is open for questions, please state your name and blog and organization affiliation clearly. Also, we request that you keep your questions brief and to the point. If you are not participating in the conversation, please keep your phone muted to eliminate any background noise. With that being said, Major Jerry Bachelet, we open the floor for you for your opening statement. Okay, great. Thanks. So thanks for those uh, that made the time to join us today, and we appreciate your interest in uh, all things Army recruiting. The, uh, I want to have a brief opening statement. I actually have a long one, but I'm not going to read it all to you. Then maybe we can just go to some conversation. Um, but we've been uh, trying to get the word out here that the, the all-volunteer force and the great service that has provided the country over the last 40-some years is at some risk uh, due to multiple factors, many of them being societal, and that you know, the quality of the force and, and trying to deliver on the Chief of Staff's vision of Force 2025 that he's described is going to require continued and perhaps enhanced or reinvigorated investment in the all-volunteer force to get that quality. And I've kind of been laying out the discussion in the in a perspective that you know, at one point we had national service or a draft in the uh, here in our in our country, and we decided about 40 years ago that in order to improve um, the army and all the armed services, that we would go to an all volunteer force. And so that you know, kind of the decision about the two broad ways that you can field armies or your armed services is either to have a some form of national service or to professionalize. And we decided to professionalize. So. Absent another discussion about which is the best alternative or best approach for the country, um, we have to then be willing to make the investments in the all-volunteer force that are necessary in order to maintain the quality and the readiness that we currently seek, and in the case of the Army, actually raise the quality of uh, the force uh, in accordance with the Chief of Staff's vision for Force 2025. So there's some just just to hit a couple of key points about some of the issues that we're facing, um, recently there's been some surveys that have pointed to the fact that the Army is becoming a family business. It's sort of a legacy um, kind of uh, atmosphere that's, or not atmosphere, I suppose, but a result where 79% of our recruits have a family member who has served in the military, and that number seems to be climbing. And don't know what to make about that necessarily, but it's a, it could be troubling in that we're not as representative of the country as we would like to be or think that we, you know, that we should be. Um, and then another major issue is young people's ability to, you know, to meet our eligibility requirements. And many of you are probably familiar that only three in ten of young Americans are currently eligible in the age group that we kind of focus on, those 17 to 24-year-olds. And we think that, that that trend's pretty clearly declining, and that by 2020, uh, that eligibility number could be down to two in ten. 
Um, and then, you know, we're some growing reluctance to allow recruiters into um, schools so that we can tell our story and present, you know, you know a career of military service uh, to young people. Uh, we're finding there's pockets of resistance uh, and where access is being denied, and that's not a um, growing trend. It's not growing quickly, but we do see in a kind of an erosion, if you will, maybe that's a better way to think about it, is an erosion of willingness to afford us access, uh, and it's not just to the Army, but it's to all of the services. And then, you know, we're, there's conversations about the country and its financial status and the economy, and can we afford this all-volunteer force, and that, you know, people are expensive. And so there's discussions about you know, compensation packages for the future of those who choose to serve that are having beginning to have some negative consequences or at least more probing questions by applicants about, you know, where is the future of compensation going uh, if I do choose to make the Army a career and can I count on the service, you know, to be a uh, to be one where I can have a good quality of life. Um, and then, you know, we're finding, trying to find ways that we balance all of these competing demands and the, you know, the Army's value proposition so that we avoid the um, environment that we had back in 06, 07, 08 when we were trying to grow the Army quickly, and we were paying significant sign-on bonuses. And unfortunately, what we ended up doing was um, purchasing service and not really engendering a commitment or those that were really bought into the Army um, as a institution whose values they believed in and adopted. So um, a number of people that were in those categories, those that really wanted to serve, continued to join. But to get those additional numbers, we found ourselves um, in a position of buying service, and that probably wasn't the, the approach we would want to take long term. And then finally, there's a you know as the economy is beginning to improve, youth unemployment is going down, and we are finding ourselves um, in a competition for uh, high quality talent. And so we're looking for a number of enterprise approaches and with multi-component solutions, you know, Army Reserve and the National Guard, and then the, the regular Army. And we're making some fairly significant investments in modernizing how we go about recruiting, the tools that we put in the hands of recruiters how we select recruiters so that we have the right uh, soldiers out representing the Army, being the Army's ambassadors. So a lot going on um, in the sessions in recruiting business right now and some significant challenges, but also some very bright signs on the, you know, on the horizon that we're going to be successful in getting the, the quality and the volume that we seek in order to, to deliver on the Chief's vision of Force 2025. So that's the, the probably the key points that I wanted to make from as an opening, and then uh, turn it over to whoever would like to, if that generated any questions, open it up for your observations or questions to me. All right. Thank you, sir. We will now open the floor for questions. We will begin with Phyllis. With who? Did you see my name? Phyllis Miller. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Hi. Phyllis Zimbler Miller, Mrs. Lieutenant.blogspot.com. I just want to say something before I start, that I actually have a book called, it's on Amazon, called How to Succeed in College, and I have a section in there in which I suggest a military career. And if you want later, I can send you the, the Word document. But I, I personally think, as a journalist, that 
many, many Americans do not understand anything about our troops. Anyway, back to my question. What does it mean that only 3%, uh, 3 out of 10 are eligible to serve? Could you go into that a little bit more, please? Yeah, sure. So, you know, you have to be kind of broadly, as you probably, as you're very familiar, I think it sounds like, and I've looked at uh, your background too, so some of this will be very familiar to you. So um, you have to be eligible morally, um, academically, or cognitively, and then physically. Those are the three broad categories. And so um, a number of individuals, and we, and in that, in the, 17 to 24 year old population, there's 30 some million of those. I'm not talking about eligibility from a perspective of, I would prefer to go to the to college versus joining the Army. I'm just talking about everyone in that cohort, those 17 to 24 year olds, uh, the 30 million of them, would they be eligible to join the Army? And today, given our um, the filters that we have in place that we use to screen and select young people uh, when they want to join us, primarily young people, um, only 3 in 10 would meet those eligibility requirements. So obesity forms a big part of it, uh, the disqualification, and that's the growing trend. I mentioned to you that the number was going to 2 in 10 by 2020. That erosion from 3 to 2 in 10 is primarily driven by the obesity rates that are prevalent in um, that that group of 17 to 24 year olds. So, about I hate to give I hesitate to give you statistics because they they vary up and down fairly frequently. But uh, moral disqualifications make up a good part of it. We have you know criminalized a number of activities in our society that used to not wow. be criminalized, and so we lose a lot of young people there. And we aren't granting waivers. Um, if you have you know misbehavior in your background. Um, we are able to, the quality and the volume is still high enough that um, we're not putting waivers in place for young people. And I should, I don't want to say that as a blanket statement. We do consider applications with waivers, but uh, very reluctant to approve those, although they are still available. Uh, and then the cognitive, so what we're seeing is an erosion or academic qualifications. We're seeing an erosion in uh, academic qualifications of the young people that we are engaging with. And that's reflective of declining high school graduation rates. Um, you know, some of the challenges that we're seeing across the country with young people even just being able to complete high school or an equivalent. Um, all of those trends are in a downward, um, a downward path. So does that help? Yes, but what I'm curious is, has the military considered boot camps for these people, people who really do want to serve? I know in World War II, all those people who tried to get figure out ways to get around the requirements so they could serve. So you know, like a camp in which they um, go through weight training, et cetera. I mean, does the military consider that at all? We do. Uh, in fact, we have a small program that we, we run that allows us to um, bring in some people that are on the margins of, say, physical fitness, um, that not, not a high volume. The, the truth of the matter is we haven't been very successful with that. We do have a program where if English is not your first language, um, you can apply to come in, and if you're otherwise highly qualified, uh, we'll send you to a course um, to you know, improve your English skills. But again, that volume is very small um, because we haven't found a great need for that. But the physical one is probably the one that offers the most opportunity. Unfortunately, what we've found is that if you come in outside of our current standards of body fat and fitness standards, the likelihood of you completing your first term enlistment is pretty low. 
Um, those individuals that we are able to bring in, they'll meet the minimum, they'll meet the requirements initially. Uh, they'll mm-hmm. get through basic training in AIT, but then they struggle at their first unit of assignment, and we lose them at a much higher rate than we do, um, you know, say soldiers to injury or that kind of thing. Interesting. Thank you for the information. Okay. Next we have Lisa Fernando. Good afternoon, General. Thank you so much for um, this conference call. Uh, I'm Lisa Ferdinando with Army News Service. Um, I was wondering if you could um, just talk specifically about uh, some of the steps um, that you're taking to um, compete, like you mentioned, as the economy is improving, uh, how you're um, the steps you're taking to uh you know, make the Army a really uh, great choice for uh, young Americans? Yeah, so, the, you know, the message to young Americans is relatively unchanged. Um, you know, the Army's value proposition from the perspective of good pay, benefits, uh, the GI Bill, um, you know, tuition assistance while you're in the uh, the Army. So those that message has been consistent, and it resonates with young people, although because they are seeing other options as the economy gets better, um, you know, that, that value proposition is being challenged. But so from that perspective, really no change. We are, we've sort of redoubled, if you will, or tripled, I don't know. I'm putting more emphasis on reaching out to educators across the country. So we've been partnering with, like, the National School Board Association, the Career and Technical Advisors um, Association, the National Secondary School Principals, big organizations like that to inform and educate them about all of the potential um, careers that one can have inside of the Army. Uh, We talked to them about March to Success. Uh, I I don't know if you're familiar with March to Success. Um, No. (laughs) So March to Success is a free program uh, offered online that is a remediation, academic remediation program. And it's free to anyone who wants to use it, teachers and educators, to help build the skills of um, young people that might be uh, struggling in a particular area. It's very effective, and one of the benefits of it to an educator is, of course, it's free. And then secondarily to the individual, you can take seven SAT or ACT practice tests for free um, as you participate in the program. So trying to make educators aware of tools like that. We have partnerships with private industry. So there's an enlistment option today that you can call PAYS, um, Partnership for America's Youth, and you can put that into your contract. And when you, let's say you have it written into your contract that when you finish your enlistment, you'd like to work for Home Depot. So Home Depot is partnered with us, and as that young person leaves the service, they are guaranteed an interview, not a job, but they're guaranteed an interview with uh, one of our PAYS partners. So those are the kind of things that we're trying to educate those that are third-party influencers, like guidance counselors and parents, on what are the additional advantages of service. Because um, we think that there's just a not misunderstanding so much as there just is an unknowing of all of the uh, other alternatives benefits of service and because with the adult the adult influencer is the key uh, and the young person's making a decision we think i don't know how we got this statistic and you could challenge me on it and i would be hard pressed to to 
back it up, but somewhere the majority of the decision, or we say 80% of a young person's decision is influenced by whether or not to join the Army is influenced by an adult influencer uh, of whom they trust, either a mom, dad, aunt, uncle, guidance counselor, parent, teacher, coach, someone like that. So we're working harder to try and educate those um, key individuals so that they understand the benefits of service so that they can you know, be more likely to make a recommendation to a young, per young person to uh, consider joining. Does that, that get at the question? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Next we have Cal Janner. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't have a question at this moment. Okay. Okay. Um, do we have anyone else to call in? Okay, Phyllis, Elisa, do you guys have any follow-up questions? Uh, I just wanted to say something about the fact that I'm not surprised at all that the 79% number of people currently in the military have someone, I mean, recruiting, coming in, already have someone in the military. Again, I think that in America, the military is totally not understood. I, I do a lot of blog posts about this. So in the greater scheme of things, not just high school principals and college advisors, how is the military getting out the word to the American public of how important it is to have a volunteer qualified military? Yes, that's a great question. So um, we're currently in the middle of evaluating our marketing and advertising um, campaigns and, you know, and, and the tools that we're using to try and get that, you know, to educate the American public about that. Now, you won't be surprised to know that we've taken some reductions in our budget um, the, to do those kinds of activities along with the, you know, the declining resources that are available to the Army. Um, this particular, you know, that, that ability to get that word out is also um, had to take its share of reductions. And so we're challenged at the moment, frankly. We, we know it's, we recognize that it's a, an issue. Um, the Chief of Staff, you're probably familiar with Soldier for Life, uh, program. Uh, he's introduced that. We're trying to partner more closely with organizations like Rotary, Kiwanis, Lions, um, and other civic organizations, um, you know, the, the veteran service organizations, to keep them informed. In fact, I just reached out to the American Legion and VFW here recently, um, you know, along those same lines at the national level of leadership, seeking their assistance in helping us get the word out and to, to re-educate the public in some senses. You know, you have a gap in a generational service. Um, so kind of an insular number of people that have served sort of associated closely with the Army, and then this sort of a gap of understanding between those that haven't served and the fact that we haven't had a broad, um, you know, there hasn't been a large number of people serve for a, you know, many, many years. So there's a gap in understanding that's opened up. So we're trying to get some of those who've served in the past to, you know, more aggressively help us get the word out. And that's some of the organizations that I mentioned are those that we're trying to partner with. Thank you very much. Yes, I think it's a major problem. And if you're willing to share your emails through the this email list, I'd love to just kind of send a couple of ideas to you. Okay, sure. We'll be happy to do that. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay. Do we have any more questions? Uh, yeah, I have some um, questions. This is Lisa Ferdinando again. Um, you know, you outlined, sir, you outlined uh, a number of challenges. Which one is your biggest challenge to recruiting? And maybe if I, if you want to also um, talk about 
how you are recruiting to face the challenges in, uh, you know, the, with all the evolving threats uh, and, you know, with the Army of the future, the threats that the Army will be facing. Okay, let me take the first part, and then maybe you can ask me the second part again after I finish this one, because I suspect I'll lose the lose focus on the second part. But okay. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to say which category of you know ineligibility is the most troubling. The the one that's the most of growing concern um, and that's in our face is the uh, you know the uh, unfitness or the obesity challenge because it, it's really growing. I won't say exponentially, but it's going growing very quickly. Um, and then, but probably the most trouble, that, but that's one that we can, you know, as a society and even as the Army, we can deal with. I mean, there are ways to, as you know, you can get fit. You put your mind to it, and, and you can lose the weight, and we can get you fit. Um, the less impactful from a volume perspective is the academic qualifications, but that's the one that's most difficult to overcome. Um, you know, as a society, how do we, and I know we're doing a number of things, you know, nationally with Common Core and No Child Left Behind, and, you know, we recognize it's a problem, but that's the one that's very difficult and takes significantly more time to address. So I think in the, if, you know, in the main, to answer your question, that one's the more worrisome one for me, um, at least from my perspective. That, does that make sense? Yes, thank you very much, sir. And so that's the you know, back to that march to success. And I didn't talk about there's some other programs that we have out there that are focused with mentoring and coaching young people that the Army's involved with, all in an attempt to try and offset that, um, you know, the erosion of. Uh, there's a statistic here. You know, we track GT scores. You're probably familiar with it. You know, you get a GT score um, when you take the Armed Forces Qualification Test or the ASVAB, and we've seen. We don't know if it's a trend yet or not, but we have seen a downturn in the average of the GT score for all applicants that have taken the test. I shouldn't say applicants. Of all those who have taken the test, um, and there appears to be a downturn in the GT score. Now, what we don't know is whether or not that, you know, the test needs to be renormed because there's times when that happens. It hasn't been renormed for some time, so there's some question about what's the proximate cause, but we're watching that very closely. Um, okay. What was the second part of the question now? I'm sorry. Uh, sir, I was asking about how you are recruiting to deal with the complex threats of the world of the future. Um, yeah, so one of the things that we're trying to do is make sure that we have a, you know, a force that is diverse um, and because America has you know, representatives of people from around the world, really. And so, you know, we try and find ways to get after the cultural skills, the language skills that, you know, the, those who have come to the States offer and they're willing to and pair that up with their willingness and eligibility to, to serve. So Asian Pacific Islanders, Taiwanese, um, you know, we want to be as, we want to be as diverse as the country is, as a goal. We don't have numbers associated with that, but we think it's important to be reflective of society. And then, Fortunately for us, that affords us an opportunity to talk to people that, you know, come from areas of the, of the world where we might find ourselves involved again. Um, if you remember, there was a program in, during Afghanistan in Af in, called the 09 Uniform, or I'm sorry, 09 Limas, that were focused on um, finding individuals who had specific language skills. 
those people, again, fortunately, were here in the States. They were available to us. And so we still look for those sorts of categories, people with very unique skills um, that can help make the Army more diverse and robust from a readiness perspective. So we actually we know where they live. You know, we, we track that kind of thing. We track demographics very closely. Um, we use Census Bureau information uh, and other, some other sources to help us find where they live and work. And then we make a concerted effort to, you know, go talk to them. And it's not necessarily hard. It's not hard in the sense of knowing where they are. It's hard work to go find them and get in front of the right people and then, of course, determine their willingness and eligibility. So a lot of steps involved to, you know, trying to find that person who's willing to join us that meets all those qualifications. That's what I'd probably a little, maybe a little bit rambling, but um, we do – seek them out. But again, I think it's important to know there's not goals. We just recognize that it's important to be representative of the of the country. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. Do we have any more questions? No, thank you. Okay. Well, I'd like to say thank, thank you to everyone for a great question and participation, sir. Do you have any closing remarks? No, I don't think so. I, I, we appreciate your interest, and, you know, we uh, I think... Uh, we pointed out that there's this, you know, Phyllis in particular, you made mention that the, uh, you know, the country is, I won't say misinformed, but rather uneducated, and uh, I share that sentiment. And so your willingness to participate with us today and help get that story out, we for all, for all of you, we very much appreciate that. Well, thank you, sir, for speaking to us today on such an important issue to the Army as well as our nation. Again, thank you for your participation, and that ends our roundtable. Thank you. Oh.